This is a podcast from the Business Times. Starting the week, Singapore shares opened in the sea of green on Monday, February 13th, reversing last week's loss streak. The benchmark's rates times index gained 0.4% to 3,375.41 points at the open. On Tuesday, Singapore shares fell marginally as traders stayed on the sidelines, anxiously awaiting key U.S. inflation data for more clues on rate movements. The SCI slipped 0.2% to close at 3,318.2 points. All eyes were also on the budget announcement, which gave investors a lot to consider. At the midweek, Singapore shares fell in early trade following Singapore's budget announcements the previous day. The SCI fell 0.3% at the open and closed in the red, falling 1.1% to 3,280.82 points, in lockstep with key regional gauges including Japan, Hong Kong and Australia, which all finished in the red. And on Thursday, Singapore shares rose in early trade following gains in the US and Europe markets. The SDI gained 0.4% to 3,295.17 points. It's Friday, February 17th. Welcome to Market Focus, a weekly look at market drivers and movements from the Business Times. I'm podcast editor Clarissa Montero. Singapore shares declined in early trade after non-oil domestic exports posted worse-than-expected performance and the U.S. market reported losses amid interest rates concerns. Key Singapore exports tumbled 25% from a high year-ago base, deepening from December 2022's 20.6% decline on the year. This far outstripped the median 21.9% decline forecast by economists in a Bloomberg poll. The SDI fell 0.2% to 3,303.14 points at the open. Here's Candice Lee, research analyst at SGX Securities, wrapping the trading week. In the week to date, the SDI declined 1.5% in price returns, while the regional FTSE APEC index declined 1.1%, largely in line. Global markets retreated at the start of the week as US headline inflations eased off at a slower pace than expectations, but rebounded following a surprisingly strong January retail sales report in the United States. US retail sales surged 3% in January after two straight months of contraction. The rebound was driven by purchases of motor vehicles and other goods, pointing to the economy's continued resilience despite higher borrowing costs. Consumer spending makes up close to 70% of GDP in the US, which translates to 17% of global GDP. Thus, when US retail sales comes in above expectations, there can be global stock market reactions, as we saw across Asia yesterday. This was also the strongest year-on-year retail sales growth since March 2021, which helps build the case for a potential soft landing for the US economy this year. Back in Singapore, a key driver for the week, aside from U.S. economic data, was also the Singapore budget announcements. Outperformers for the week for companies with a market cap of at least $500 million were Comba Telecom, Riverstone and Olam Group, averaging 5% in price gains. On the other hand, underperformers for the week were led by AEM Holdings, Thai Beverage and Prime U.S. REIT. In terms of institutional fund flows in Singapore across the last five sessions through to the 15th of February, we observed net institutional fund outflows of 280 million Sing dollars, reversing from net inflows of 100 million recorded last week. 
by sector, the highest net outflows over the last five sessions were seen across financial services at 220 million, followed by industrials at 49 million and REITs at 32 million. On the other hand, consumer cyclicals saw the highest net inflows of 24 million, followed by consumer non-cyclicals at 30 million and healthcare at 5 million. By stocks, largest outflows were seen in DBS, Capital Land Integrated Commercial Trust and Capital Corporation, while largest inflows were seen across Scantin Singapore, Capital Land Ascenders REIT and Wilmer International. Anita Gabriel, senior correspondent from the Business Times News Desk, shares her take of the week's drivers. Two of three key U.S. stock gauges the S&P 500 and Nasdaq last week posted the biggest weekly losses since December owing to fears over aggressive rate hikes. So it was written on the wall for Asian stocks that they would begin the week on the back foot. Monday and Tuesday was a waiting game amid nail-biting anticipation of U.S. inflation figures that would provide economic clues on the rate path of the world's largest central bank. After all that hype, the inflation numbers came in modestly and insignificantly lower. In other words, the market's dovish cheerleaders were not activated. Surprisingly, it was the blowout U.S. retail sales figures released a day later that turned up the happy beat in markets. Then again, that was short-lived, with latest data showing U.S. wholesale prices have surged again. This proves just how sticky inflation is and the battle ahead to fight extreme price pressures. With fears over rate hikes and recession reignited, U.S. stock indices closed firmly in the red overnight Thursday, and that's weighing on Asia today. Latest GDP data showed Japan has dodged a recession, but a weak rebound in the fourth quarter despite significant stimulus from the Bank of Japan underscores the challenge faced by the newly picked central bank chief Kazuo Ueda to normalize monetary policy without hurting the delicate recovery in the world's fifth largest economy. The Philippine central bank raised rates aggressively by 50 basis points to fight searing price pressures after January's inflation data flew past street expectations. On the other hand, Bank Indonesia this week decided to stand pat on rates after six straight hikes as inflation moderates. As expected, South Korea logged weak jobs data with the smallest drop gain in two years, indicating a shrinking labor market. Gold prices, which have seen a rally since the start of the year, have been on a slide in recent weeks. The prospect of higher rates have dulled the shine of the yellow metal as rising interest rates increase the opportunity cost of holding the non-yielding asset. Oil had a choppy week with Russia's production cuts and U.S. crude stock growth, plus a strengthening U.S. dollar. Fears of economic slowdown and uncertainty over the extent of China's demand revival and ongoing monetary tightening are weighing on the commodity. Analysts expect a tight global oil market to support commodity prices this year, although the upside may be capped if demand is lower than anticipated. Still to come, we look at notable news for the week with Candice. Learn to protect and grow your wealth with BT Wealth editor Genevieve Kwa in her monthly podcast series, every fourth Monday of the month, with your trusted partner for financial information. Go to bt.sg podcasts to download. And now, back to market focus from the Business Times. Candice, the Singapore budget was announced this week 
Could you expand on that and other notable news to take into the week ahead? All eyes were on the Singapore budget announcement this week. Some key takeaways include the rise in buyer stand duties for higher value residential and non-residential properties. This could potentially raise $500 million of revenue for Singapore per year. Major property developers listed in Singapore, UL Group, City Developments and Land, declined an average of 2.3% on Wednesday post the announcement. Similarly, real estate brokers Propnex and APEC Realty declined 2.4% and 0.8% respectively over the same day. In an interview with the Business Times, the CEO of Propnex noted that he does not expect the change to impact house sales significantly as the increase in buyer stamp duty should be manageable for those who are buying homes in that price tier. City Developments also noted at the end of November last year that it expects the Singapore property market to remain resilient given the low stock levels. And it also highlighted that with the recovering economy, Singapore's political stability and its strength as a financial hub, that there will be sustained interest from local buyers, foreign investors and even high net worth individuals. For Singapore companies, an additional $150 million will be added to the SME co-investment fund with the aim of raising another $300 million from other investors. This aims to help homegrown companies expand and also bring in international revenue. An example given by Finance Minister Lawrence Wong was Morris Holdings, which received pre-IPO funding from EDBI. This is the venture arm of Singapore's Economic Development Board. The company was listed on the Singapore Exchange back in November 2021, and it specializes in providing anchor and mooring solutions for the offshore industry for the oil and gas sector. The company has also been capturing more business from offshore wind farm customers in Japan and Europe to tap on the growth of the green energy sector. Over Wednesday's trading session, more than 100,000 shares of Morris changed hands with a significant amount of net retail fund inflows observed. Aside from the budget, Singapore also announced full-year GDP this week. 2022 GDP growth was at 3.6% last year, revised down from January's advanced estimate of 3.8%. This was lower than 2021's 8.9% growth rate as well. Fourth quarter GDP grew 2.1% year-on-year, lower than analyst estimates of 2.3%, and also moderating from the 4% expansion we've seen in the third quarter. The Ministry of Trade and Industry noted that Singapore's external demand outlook for 2023 has improved slightly since the last media briefing in November. It also expects more contribution from the air transport and aerospace segment, as well as domestic-oriented sectors such as accommodation, entertainment and recreation as global travels return. However, given that uncertainties in the global economy remain, MTI still kept its 2023 growth forecast range to 0.5 to 2.5%. Singapore's trade and non-oil domestic export expanded 3% in 2022 due to higher shipments of both non-electronic and electronic products. This is also in line with earlier estimates and down from a 12.1% growth in 2021. January Nordex was also released this morning, contracting for the fourth consecutive month. In January, it declined 25% from a high base a year ago, underperforming analyst consensus of 21.9%. When talking about full-year outlook ahead, Enterprise Singapore expects performance to moderate in 2023, given the high base in 2022, 
and maintain its 2023 forecast at minus 2% to 0% for both Nordex and total merchandise trade. Citing the International Monetary Fund projections that global economic activity will grow by a slower 2.9% this year, Enterprise Singapore also said that most of Singapore's key trade partners, including US, Eurozone and the ASEAN 5, are expected to grow at a slower pace in 2023, except for China and Japan. Candice, what corporate news was there for the week worth noting? SDI constituents DBS and SETS released full-year earnings this week. DBS announced a 69% year-on-year rise in net profit to a record $2.3 billion for its fourth quarter ended 31st December last year. This brought the full-year net profit to $8.2 billion, which is 20% higher than 2021's net profit of $6.8 billion. This comes as the bank's total income rose 41% to a record $4.6 billion on higher net interest income, which was boosted by higher interest rates. On the other hand, wealth management fees fell by 26% year-on-year to $1.33 billion due to weaker market conditions. CEO Piyush Gupta expressed optimism for this year on the back of strong asset quality and sustained loan momentum. The bank maintained its full-year guidance for a mid-to-single-digit loan growth and a double-digit fee income growth for FY 2023. The bank has also proposed a final dividend of $0.42 per share, $0.06 higher than its previous payment, as well as a special dividend of $0.50 per share, given its strong capital base. DBS gained 2.6% since the start of the year, adding to its 8.4% returns from 2022. The other two banks, UOB and OCBC, are expected to release earnings announcement next week on the 23rd and 24th, respectively. SETS reported third-quarter net profit of half a million Sing dollars, bringing its nine-month net profit to a loss of 32 million Sing dollars. Group revenue improved significantly during the quarter, up 54.5% to 167.9 million Sing dollars, and this was on the back of aviation recovery. In terms of operational performance, it observed that flights are at 71% of pre-pandemic levels, while the number of meals served are at 82%. Although cargo volume is at 88% of pre-pandemic level, with the consolidation of Asia Air Freight Terminal, which is a subsidiary of the group, it will bring the volumes to above pre-pandemic level. The rise in air travel is also noted by SIA this week. SIA announced that it continued to see strong passenger traffic and load factors across all its route regions, including East Asia. Together with Scoot, the airline flew a combined 2.6 million passengers in January as demand was boosted by the year-end peak return traffic and the Chinese New Year holiday season. This represented a fourfold increase year-on-year, although January's passenger capacity was down 2.7% month-on-month. Samcorp Marine's shareholders voted in favour of the merger with Keppel Offshore and Marine yesterday. With the merger, the two companies are slated to form one of the world's largest offshore and marine energy engineering companies. Opportunities identified for the combined entity include building on the existing winds to scale up its footprint in offshore wind energy investments, as well as investments into new energy sources and continued service provision for floating energy systems, such as floating production storage and offloading units, as well as other offshore oil and gas solutions. If we kept 2022 with the biggest question being, when will China reopen from its prolonged pandemic curbs and give the global economy a shot in the arm? 
this year so far seen markets fixated on whether the US economy will have a hard, soft, or any lending at all. The pendulum on this could swing far and wide, as this week can attest to, before clarity emerges. With that, pundits caution: prepare for more market volatility. This has been Markets Focus from the Business Times. I'm Clarissa Montero with Candice Lee, Research Analyst at SGX Securities, and Anissa Gabriel, Senior Correspondent with the Business Times News Desk. That was a podcast from the Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, or via the Google Voice Assistant Amazon-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A W E D I O. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.